All right, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever you are and whenever you are, welcome back to the Asian Highway Podcast Network. This is another episode of Erased, uh, episode number 12 to be exact. I'm your co-host, Pimo, talking to you from Austin, Texas. Welcome. Today's date is July 22nd. I have another full crew today, which is great. Let's give a warm welcome to Mary Carrion from Southern California and Dana Miller from Southern Florida or Central Florida. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you, Mary? I'm doing great. I'm doing great today. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, likewise. Dana, how is life with you? Well, you know, I'm a little under the weather, but I'm doing well, you know. As long as you don't don't have COVID. Oh, I went to go get a test today, so I guess we'll see. (laughs) Oh, wow. To be... To be continued. Yeah, I'm fully vaccinated, which is really bizarre. But yeah, so I guess we'll see. But I'm okay. Like, I'm not uh, gravely ill or anything. Just, you know, I think I think there's been some cases of COVID where it's just less severe if you're vaccinated. So I think that may be the case with me. So. The same with the flu shot. The flu shot doesn't guarantee that you'll get the flu. It just means that if you do get the flu, the symptoms are, are dramatically less harmful like you, you exactly know, the worst yeah so, so yeah. i don't know it just could be a bad cold or it could be uh could be covid but i guess i'll uh i'll find out soon i'm knocking on wood right now that it's the least severe of anything <laughs> yeah definitely so today's uh, uh today's episode of erase will have three topics each one of us will have our own topic to talk about today uh, on, on, on the news front on the environmental news front We'll be talking about air conditioning and climate change as one topic. Another one was 30 viruses that were found in one place, uh, frozen in a, in a specific situation. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about the 80 active fires that are currently underway in the West Coast. So those are our three topics for today that we'll, we'll approach uh, and discuss. We'll lead off with Dana Miller, who will talk to us about air conditioning and climate change. She's got a news item on that. So Dana, why don't you kind of uh, lead us off with uh, the story? I believe it, it, it came out in the New York Times. And so what are we talking about here? What, what is the connection between air conditioning and climate change? Yeah, so I don't know about you guys, if you've ever thought about your air conditioner and how it affects the planet, but <clears throat> essentially air conditioners are oddly heating the planet. Um, so one of the great, ir- that's a great irony of climate change is that as the planet warms, Technology that people need to stay cool is only continuing to make the climate hotter. So I know in recent times, manufacturers are competing to minimize power consumption and refrigerants as the machines multiply, as the planet gets hotter from climate change. Um, So by 2050, researchers expect the number of room air conditioners on Earth to quadruple to 4.5 billion, becoming at least as... um, ambiguous as cell phones are today. By the end of the century, greenhouse gas emissions from air conditioning will account for as much as 0.5 degree Celsius rise in global temperatures. And that's according to calculations, pardon me, by the World Economic Forum. So I'm not sure if either of you knew this or, you know, if this is kind of a, a known cause of climate change or if some the average person walking around understands what their air conditioning is is doing to the planet but in short air conditioning 
units urgently need upgrading. Um, it hasn't changed significantly at all since 1902, which is wild to think about. If you think about technology in any other form, everything's changed and evolved. And, you know, you think about even just technology in terms of, you know, solar energy and all these types of different things, you know, the way we use phones, computers, anything like that, everything has evolved except for air conditioning. So it's no hyperbole to say that air conditioning has shaped our modern world. It'll continue to do so in an unprecedented climate future. Um, <clears throat> and that's essentially, you know, the story and, and how, you know, manufacturers are racing to, to kind of evolve with, with the needs for the climate. Um, and, you know, as we've sort of discussed on this podcast before, it's, it's already climate change and, and the heat and humidity is already affecting um, third world countries more so than anywhere else. Um, and, you know, whether these countries or the, these people will be able to afford more climate friendlier units um, is in question. So that's, that's sort of the focus of the article. Not sure if you have either, you know, comments on that or if either of you were aware of the severe impact of air conditioning. Well, it actually does make sense. I guess the fair question to ask is, and this is not a question necessarily you know, directed to you, Dana, just a general question to the universe, I guess. But like, if we're having increased temperatures, like, you know, if the, if the world is getting warmer mm -hmm. and air conditioning is harming the planet, it's like a double whammy, right? I mean, you're going to put on your, I mean, I'm even thinking me, me here in Texas. I mean, you know, we, we've actually had a, not too difficult of a, of a July in terms of heat, but like there have been days where it's been like 98, 95, like at 6 p.m. And naturally I want to put the AC on because it's 95 degrees at 6 p.m. And mm -hmm. if we're going to have more days like that. It's like, well, all right. right. So it's like, well, we're, we're warming up the world and now I want to stay cool from that. And I put my AC on and... It's just harming the world. Yeah, it's it's very cyclical and kind of disturbing um <clears throat> yeah I mean, the like, air conditioning the air conditioning market which i didn't even really ever think of oh it's the air conditioning market but it makes sense um is worth 60 billion dollars and it's largely dominated just by a few corporations and you know over the years as as things kind of evolve, you you focus on lowering the cost. They focus on lowering the cost of the air conditioners, but not on the energy needed to power them. So they're essentially, you know, making things cheaper, pushing them out into the community, therefore requiring more air conditioners. It's very disturbing. If I, I've been reading about this for a few days now, um, Mary, I'm not sure if you have any have any thoughts, but. Yeah, it's a bummer because obviously with rising temperatures and relative humidity and all the ways that things are shifting towards higher, you know, heat, lots of heat, especially in desertous places and even in the mountains right now, it's hot. Like it is hot <laughs> everywhere. And I, you know, it's, it's difficult to not want to lean on your air conditioning for support, but you know, I mean, at the same time, it's like, okay, how do we as humans 
figure out an alternative towards this type of technology or, you know, lack thereof, how do, how do we advance the technology? Um, or, you know, what are the alternatives here? So I know that there are a lot of very careless people who leave air conditioning on in their homes when they're not there, you know, or who leave it on all day long when maybe it's like a room air temperature or air temperature, uh, a room air conditioning and Mm -hmm. who leave the room and come back and leave the room and come back. You know, it doesn't have, you know, leaving the air conditioning on isn't, isn't the best thing to do. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that. So our house is in Florida. We have solar panels. Um, we do have air conditioning. We have to, we wouldn't be able to survive without it. Um, totally. the, the person who comes to service our, our air conditioner, you know, advises, and I've looked this up too on health websites out out of my own curiosity, just wanting to have my own information that if you don't have your house set at, you know, a certain temperature that mold can grow through your house due to the humidity. So I think that, yeah. So I think that, that, that's part of it. You know, people don't want mold in their house. I don't think this is as much of a problem in certain areas, but I think, you know, if you're in a warmer climate all year long where it's very humid, that could very much be an issue. Um, but yeah, like, like you were saying, like, where's the, the, there's a dilemma, a dilemma for these innovators, um, or, you know, some people who we would hope to be innovators and that's, should they focus their efforts on finding the climate friendliest refrigerant or reducing electricity use? Um, so that's kind of where they're at. And I know I read a fat, uh, stat where a unit that uses a refrigerant with zero potential to contribute to global warming would only, uh, would need to be only four times as, a, as efficient. So yeah, I, I guess it's just an interesting conversation. I guess it really depends on where you live in the world. Um, but climate change is of course, warming the whole planet. So that's, that's kind yeah. of a, sort of a, sorry to, dep- to, I hope I'm not depressing everyone with this story, but. <laughs> well, I mean, I think ultimately though, like in places where it is hot, in places where it is humid, traditionally, mm-hmm. you know, there's no way around using an air conditioning in some places. Like I couldn't imagine being in Florida right now or Texas right, right now without air conditioning. <laughs> like that is my version of hell, excuse me. But like, I just, I don't know, that sounds awful. However, you know, in this new world that we're stepping into currently, temperatures in even traditionally cooler places are rising to uncomfortable temperatures. Like in Los Angeles, granted, you know, it's not like 115 degrees by any means, but it is definitely hitting over a hundred degrees in certain parts of LA, you know, in the Valley, in other parts of, in other parts of Southern California too. So the threat for mold, as you say, is be, that is something that we should be concerned here. Also, there like there is mold already in a lot of our homes without us knowing like black mold and stuff that typically landlords don't really tell you about even though they should. Yeah, I don't know. Uh the mold thing, it's like it's it's everywhere, you know, but I think that that is something that we don't think about in relation to climate change specifically right. and how that's going to impact us moving forward. So, yeah. Weird. An interesting, um, weird. interesting story here, just relating to <clears throat> less fortunate countries. Um, there's a story about 
um, a father in New Delhi who had uh, purchased an air conditioning unit for her daughter so she could study more comfortably. And I guess he went back to go check in to see if, you know, the air conditioning unit had helped. <clears throat> and the, the woman told him um, she hadn't been able to use it because she couldn't afford to run it. Which is really, I mean, devastating for these these areas where you really do need air conditioning. Um, yeah. That's sad. Mary, to kind of touch on a, another point you made earlier, uh, this, is, this is minor, but still worth mentioning. It was funny because I was talking to my mom the other day and she was like, she's like, son, how are you dealing with the heat in Austin? I mean, it's hot here in LA. How are you dealing with the heat and humidity there? Like she, she couldn't fathom what, how, what I was going through. So that, there's that, but then also like, you know, on, on, on my unit, the apartment that apartment I live in, I, I have this thing called the Nest. It's something that they do a lot here. There are a lot of units, a lot of newer buildings here in, in Texas have this thing called the Nest, which is a very, uh, it's a great way to manage your, your air and heat in your, in, your, in, your, in your units, in your homes. And there's an eco feature on the Nest and it's very easy to use. The whole thing is basically, it's a circular button. You just kind of turn things around, it's all digital and, you know, you've put it on, if you put it on eco mode, it basically reads whether or not where you are, not only in your unit, but also whether or not you're there. So if I'm not in my, if, if, the, if the Nest reads that I'm not in my unit, it will not keep the AC running. It'll turn it off automatically. Oh, that's nice. And I it, like that. Yeah, and it won't shut up until it sends to my body back in the, in, the, in the building again, in the unit again. And even then, it's, 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 I believe it also localizes it. Like, okay, if I'm in the family room, that's where, that's where the air is going. If it's in the center, that's where the air is going. So that's it, what it's like in a lot of, <clears throat> pardon me, hotels in Cuba and Mexico and Brazil, where you have to have your room key <clears throat> in the, I guess it's just like a little slot that activates the air conditioning. So you have to be in the room. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's so easy to get around. You have two keys. You just leave one in there and you take one with you. But uh, yours sounds much more innovative. Yeah, and, and that's the point. I mean, it just shows that, you know, it's easy to switch sensors. Like, all right, you, you, your AC unit has sensors in it because uh, the, 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 the actual Nest unit, which is about that big, I mean, I'm sure you guys can see me, but it's a circle, basically. That's about the size of your palm. And it senses when your body's right next to it. So it's actually reading to see where, where it, the unit knows where your body is at and whether or not you're in the room or not or in the building or not. And so it, it, it reads you, it reads your vitals. It, it, it knows when, where, when and where to keep the AC flowing. And it, it keeps the, and so like, for example, another example is like, if it's like 75 in my unit and I set to 72, it, it not only just sets to 72, it sets it within a time. Like, well, it'll, it'll say, it'll be at 72 within 90 minutes. Right. And once it reaches that 90 minute point, it's the thought. It doesn't matter how, how you want to keep it on. In 90 minutes, it shuts off because it's not reached its ideal temperature. Very, very innovative. Yeah, <clears throat> what I have in my unit and a lot of places here. I mean, you know, I, I know people like trash talk Texas, but this is one of the cooler things we have in the state because I, I know a lot of houses have it too. It's not just my, it's not, it's not just my building. This is this is a thing that we have in, in, in many residential uh, places here statewide. So uh, it's definitely. I guess. Um, oops, sorry. Go ahead, Dana. Dana? Oh. oh, yes. Hi, I'm here. Sorry about that. I think my internet was just cutting out a bit. No worries. Um, you want to wrap it up before we go on to our next topic? Yeah, I was just going to add one last thing. There's no federal requirements to ensure proper end of life, life disposal of refrigerators and air conditioners. So the coolant um, 
inside of them is what's very toxic to the environment. They end up in landfills. Um, so yeah, I guess just to, to wrap up this topic is, you know, while we wait for government action on HFCs, um, there are simple ways to, to reduce the demand for air conditioning. So it's designing buildings that stay cool naturally, which is sounds complicated, but it, it is quite simple, like planting more trees, painting roofs white can go through a very long way. Um, so yeah, those are just uh, those two simple ways to, to kind of reduce the need for, for air conditioning. Got it. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for that reporting, Dana. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, we're moving on, on now to our next topic, which will be presented by Mary. And this is from an article in USA Today. Headline reads, scientists discover more than 30 viruses frozen in ice, most never seen before. And <laughs> what's, uh, if you read the first paragraph of the story, it, it talks about viruses being discovered in China. And, you know, it's kind of relevant because we have the coronavirus. Uh, and we all know how that's been going around the world for the past year, year and a half. So that's what makes this relevant is that, you know, we're, we have a, a, a pandemic that's based on a virus right now. And we have these viruses that were frozen in ice from an ancient time in, in China, from the Tibetan Plateau. So Mary, tell us about these viruses and why it's significant today. So I know a lot of people talk about the pandemic as if it's a thing of the past and people are referring to this time, this, this era that we're currently in as the post-pandemic era. But the truth is, is we're still in it, baby. COVID has not gone anywhere and it never has. Uh, we've only had, you know, moderate lulls perhaps of lesser, of less infections because, and, and progress, I guess, uh, on, in, in ways that help us lessen or flatten the curve. You know, that's like what we've been trying to do since COVID started. And now we've kind of achieved some progress through vaccinations, but it has never gone away and we're still here and we're still battling it. And that's ultimately why I'm bringing this news up because I just don't know if we are looking at the relationship between climate change and illness, specifically widespread illnesses like pandemics, even, even epidemics. Um, I just don't know if we're looking at it as maybe we should be, uh, or, you know, right now, I would right now I would argue that the COVID-19 pandemic is actually an effect of climate change fully 100%. Uh, and I, and I say this because we are watching the earth react and have symptoms to climate change that involve very extreme things, including crazy fires, including freeze overs and traditionally hot places like Texas. And we're seeing massive floods, you know, like biblical floods and we're seeing heat waves and we're seeing major droughts and we're seeing all these extreme weather patterns. And why then wouldn't we think that something as extreme as a pandemic, like, you know, a worldwide thing not be related to climate change when it is equal in intensity and equal in, you know, uh, how it impacts humans altogether. You know, it's, it's, um, that's kind of where my head is at in regards to looking at climate change and the relationship to illness, but it's, uh, 
It's wild um, to see all these mainstream media outlets saying that there is no relation. So that's all I've read. I, I, I'm sorry, but it's just utter bullshit. No one, like yes. if that's, there's no way. Anyways, that's like why I'm bringing this up considering in general, we're watching glaciers melt. And as Pimo said, leading into this, um, in the Tibetan plateau of China, there was there was a glacier that froze over 14,000 years ago that, you know, collected dust and collected other bacteria and also collected viruses when it was forming gradually, when that glacier formed gradually. And basically, scientists just discovered more than 30 ancient viruses uh, frozen in two ice samples taken from China. And most of them are unlike anything uh, scientists have ever seen before. Uh, the findings uh, came from ice cores taken in 2015 that have taken a long time to study. And it was the, the findings of this study were released in the journal Microbiome uh, this last Wednesday. So yesterday, July 21st. And uh, scientists described these ice chunks basically as a part of glaciers that were formed gradually a very, very long time ago. And out of 33 viruses, 28 were novel viruses and have never been identified before. So that's pretty wild. And researchers also believe that the viruses came from soil and plants versus animals. So that's also very interesting. I'm not exactly sure how to take that, you know, if one is worse than the other or how that's going to impact us or if that's mm -hmm. going to impact plants or if it's going to impact every living thing. Like, who knows? Who? Logical question, Mary. Is, the, the very logical question is this, is as, as climate change continues and the pace we're going at and we have more extreme weather patterns is... Today, you know, today it's 30 viruses that are frozen. Will we now have, I don't know, 100, 200, 300 viruses that will now be frozen? And who knows if they will eventually be released into our atmosphere in the future based upon how other yeah. things right? Yeah. There's even a movie. Right. Well, I mean, there's even I mean, glaciers, glaciers are melting. Yeah. So the fact that, so the fact that scientists were able to locate a chunk of ice that had 30 viruses in it really says that most of the frozen ice that's currently melting then likely has other weird things in it that are not probably good for our health. Right. And, and <laughs> the video I'm talking about just came out on Amazon. It's called The Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt. And I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I don't want to give too much of the movie away because it's a relatively fresh movie. But one of, the, one of the plot points in the film is that, you know, the villains that are in the, that are in the film everyone believed came arrived here in the future and they actually arrived in the past and they were stuck in Siberia. They were frozen in Siberia. And, you know, after a hundred years of being frozen, the, the, the ice thawed enough for them to escape and take over the planet. And yeah, these viruses, you know, you know, what's crazy or just, it's what I found most shocking and most alarming about this whole study or not the study necessarily, but the report was that the researchers also said that only half of the viruses needed the ice to survive. Basically, oh, I know, I know. Basically, the viruses would have um, their 
the way that their like genetic makeup is their genetic signatures um they're designed essentially to thrive in extreme environments and the co-author of the study his name is matthew sullivan he's from ohio so shout out to ohio uh said that the viruses have signatures of genes that help them infect cells in cold environments so these viruses essentially have surreal genetic signatures for how viruses are able to survive in extreme conditions. So not only are they novel and, you know, unlike anything we've ever seen before, but part of the reason why we've never seen anything like this is because they survive in extremely cold, cold weather, which is uncommon, extremely uncommon. So it's, it's a little nuts. Um, also, Oh, go on. Oh no, it's okay. Um, I was going to add just one more thing. Uh, Sullivan, the, the co-author of the study, he uh, said that the technology used to study these microbes and these viruses inside the ice, uh, uh, they're helping them sort of identify these like new similar genetic sequences, but they're going to look in other places with extreme ice environments, potentially even Mars. That's just so. Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) I know. I I guess it's it's interesting. It's interesting because it's hard enough to really grasp the idea of viruses being, you know, like surviving in ice. But then thinking about viruses being on a whole other planet in our solar system and existing there, like I don't even like what. Has has Elon Musk even thought of this? What are we gonna do? Easy. It's to- just wild that like like just going back to to what I said earlier, like that mainstream media is saying, nope, there's no connection. Like you know, don't think about it. And I've just seen so many articles saying, you know, after the pandemic's over, we got to deal with climate. But then there's gonna be the next pandemic, and it's just like there's anything in in my in my view anyway. It's just there's anything people will do and say anything to avoid the climate discussion. And I don't understand that. I also just don't understand why we're not looking at, at illness and pandemics, like something like a pandemic as, as like, as it's like a character, like it's quality, why we're not looking at that as a symptom of climate change. It's the same intensity as 80 wildfires. Honestly, it's the same intensity as biblical floods. This is a biblical event, you know, or pandemics are. So it's Dana, get this, this to answer both of your questions. Like there, there's one significant thing that thing here that isn't happening. And I saw this graphic about an hour or two before we did this podcast and they were showing the number of minutes that was given to oh, outer space and yeah. the coverage of climate change so like 220 minutes of news coverage given yeah. the bezos going in one day going right. to space it's like 280 minutes of coverage for climate change in all of 2020 yeah yeah it's absolutely i saw that i was so angry i threw my right. phone against the wall like i don't give it i don't know about you guys i don't give a fuck a flying fuck if a billionaire goes to space like go away like in stay a, there. In, nobody cares in, in a dick-shaped rocket ship no less <laughs> yeah what? just like like they could single-handedly solve home houselessness my apologies houselessness climate change 
like healthcare, education, all of these different things, but they choose to, you know, cause they're human beings and, oh, it just makes me so angry. <laughs> oh, that topic. But I did, I, I did see that in though That answers the question though is, you know, we're not giving this enough attention. I, I, I guarantee you, if this was a, if we've put this in the news more often, if we cover this more often, people would take it more seriously, but because it's uh, a tertiary, you know, whatever issue, it's, it's so far down the list of things that, that, that are prioritized on the news, people are no longer, aren't paying the same attention to it, which is why they don't take it seriously. So but that, that, the thing that, is, is that it's already been proven that climate change is responsible for <clears throat> accelerating diseases um, because of drought, flooding, extreme weather. It forces food production to encroach on habitats, which exactly. are populated by bats, monkeys, and other animals that carry viruses. So this has already been proven. So how can you possibly say, oh, well, this specific illness had nothing to do with 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 climate change it's just you can't you can't say that that's just not again, scientifically I, I, again i think it's because we're not prioritizing this as a, as something that should matter to us i mean it's it, it this is a widespread issue that literally the the people that matter in the news world in the publication world are not giving this attention it it, it really is i really do believe guys like you know if, if if we spent more hours per day talking about connection how this thing matters People, people will, 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 will follow along and say, okay, yes, we got to do something. But because it's not prioritized by anybody, no one's prioritizing this. I mean, three of us are, but we're just three people. I mean, I don't know. Pimo, Pimo, <laughs> Pimo, we lost you. Oh, no, my, my internet. Oh. oh, you're back. There you are. I'm back. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, glad, I, I'm glad I'm back because this is going to bring up another point. The reason you guys lost me is climate change. Is because I, of the heat. I, I, Your power power went out. Weather here is so it was so strange. I actually want was going to mention at some point today. This might be the first July in decades that Austin has not had a single day of 100 degree temperature. Yeah, that's I mean, weird. That is weird. We've we literally every every day between five and eight p.m. we ha we have thunderstorms. Like random thunders, it goes from like ninety five to seventy five in like within an hour, which and is wild to me that people can have this psychological distance of between like from climate change when it's literally happening in front of your eyes. We we are going back to what we were just talking about. How can you possibly be so not con less concerned about you know one thing and so concerned about something else it just doesn't make sense to me <laughs> and, and just, and just uh, you know to, to make it just to finish the point here is and this again robert you're saying i mean my, I, this is my second podcast in 24 hours and the same thing happened yesterday where the weather was so weird for at, at the time out it was 24 hours ago it was at the same time last night i was recording another podcast and at the same time, my internet went unstable because the weather was screwy outside. I mean, it's mm -hmm. affecting the way I, 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 I'm contributing to this podcast right now. There's a the direct connection. I'm not joking when I'm saying climate change is literally harming my, my co-hosting abilities right now. Mm -hmm. It really is. There's no so doubt. I, I hear you when you say that Austin, the first time in decades, that Austin isn't having 
a day over a hundred degrees, but I feel like in the fall and in the winter, you guys are going to have like 200 degree days. Oh man, Dana. (laughs) It's just, it's just wild that like that, like, so what Mary just said, like, oh, well, you know, like if it's, if it's cold one day in the summer or, you know, if it snows earlier than usual or, you know, something like that, people like these, like, I hate to say it, Republicans will jump all over it and say, well, what about global warming? I'm like, it doesn't like fuck off. Like it means the earth is warming, warming, but it also means like changing weather patterns and more extreme weather. And it it doesn't mean that it's going to be like San Diego on a, on a May day every day for the whole year. It means that we're going to have extreme weather. Oh, it's just, (laughs) I just know that, you know, if it gets cold early one day, you're going to have every Republican tweeting that, oh, well, you know, global warming doesn't exist. Oh, yeah. Global warming exists. Liberalism is is a disease. (laughs) Liberalism is the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, they just. uh... They're frozen in ice. It's the (laughs) pandemic. We're the virus. (laughs) I was reading an an article just to, I guess, add on to this. And it was talking about Western economies and people with carbon intense lifestyles and how the pandemic's, you know, an opportunity to address the climate change and and shift behavioral patterns and and our infrastructure. And then I think that, you know, we're, we're missing an opportunity at this point, in my opinion. Very true. Well, I think we've had a great topic, uh, great topic, great two topics so far. So Mary and Dana, thank you for what you mentioned so far. I'm going to try to be quick because I know we, we kind of deviated here towards the end, but I'll, I'll try to get through my news item really quick. And this is, uh, it's actually quite the transition because we're going from air conditioning and frozen viruses to wildfires, which we've talked about before. But in the past week, there have been 80, 80 large wildfires in 13 states across the Western US, burning more than 1 million acres. We've had fires in California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, parts of Utah, parts of Wyoming, parts of the Dakotas. I mean, this is literally the entire West and Northwest. This heat wave, of course, it's not just the heat wave, it also, it's not just the, you know, it's not just the fires it brings higher than normal temperatures. And so we're already in summer and states like Oregon and Washington this year already have had record breaking temperatures. We're seeing triple digits continue and persist in in these states where where fires are happening. They're having dry storms as well. There's heat related illnesses coming from this, uh, particularly for people who who work outdoors or participate in outdoor activities. Car interiors are reaching lethal temperatures within minutes. So if you have leather seats or a leather steering wheel, expect those to get really, really hot. States like Montana are getting 103 degrees. Idaho is also getting triple digit weather. These are states in the northern part of our country that are normally, we'd be lucky to get 90 degree weather. They're getting 100 plus. We've had a fire called the Bootleg Fire, which is burning um, near the Oregon-California border. It's burned nearly 300,000 acres as of last weekend. And, you know, it's, it, it started on, J- on July 6th. It's about 22% contained. 
It's destroyed 75 structures, including 21 homes, and threatening another 5,000-some homes. Uh, the Tamarack Fire has grown to almost 19,000 acres and is, as of last weekend, 0% contained. Uh, another fire was sparked in Alpine County, Northern California, on the 4th July weekend. These, these, these fires are persisting and it's, it's, it's staying around because, again, temperature, dry, dry thunderstorms, excessive heat, high temperatures in the hundreds are, are allowing these conditions to make fires stay. And so that's the news. Mary and Dana, love to hear your input or your reaction to what's going on. Yeah. So I don't know about you, Pimo and Mary, but I often get asked because, you know, we're all, we've all lived on the West Coast, if not now, then previously. And I always get asked, <clears throat> why does California get so, like, have so many wildfires? And as you and I and, and Mary know, um, California gets most of its moisture in the fall and winter. Um and then the vegetation spends much of the summer slowly drying because of the lack of rainfall and warmer temperatures. That vegetation is basically kindling for fire. So <clears throat> it's interesting that um, I, I've spoken to a few friends who, who you know, didn't even really understand why it's happening or how California and the West Coast is sort of <clears throat> that perfect storm for, for wildfires. Mary, did you want to jump in and kind of give your perspective? It's really sad that Northern California burns the way that it does because unfortunately so much wildlife and natural terrain is like the, the, what gives the beauty of Northern California, like certain trees and certain species of plants and obviously animals and just other like forest, like a lot of the forest area is likely to burn and the forests are what give California its mystical character, you know, and it's really sad that it's, you know, <clears throat> going to burn and it, it like there's no way that within 80 wildfires, many of which in California and that we're at the beginning of fire season aren't going to be in harm's way at some point. And mm -hmm. that's devastating on so many levels. Also, even in talking about, you know, air pollution and people who live in these areas and yeah, it's, it's alarming on a lot of levels also because a lot of people retreat into the forest to live quieter lives. And eventually at some point, that's not really going to be an <clears throat> option for a lot of people because there's not really going to be a forest to escape to when it's like such a fire danger area. And that's just all sad. It just makes me sad. I wish that there were better there. I wish that there were things that we could do preventative wise that really effectively took a, like, I don't know, made things less kindly as you were talking about Dana. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, and it's really sad, like certain <clears throat> leaders who will remain nameless that have blamed, you know, various things, companies not, you know, clearing brush or, you know, <laughs> yeah. people, people have caused fires. I think I, I, you know, I sent you guys that one article when of the couple who are being charged, <clears throat> 
you know, it, it is mean oh, yeah. climate change. You know, we, we can't blame one person. <clears throat> and we certainly can't blame someone for not, you know, clearing brush from like logging and whatnot. Of course, that may contribute a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's, it's the warming environment and, and, How you know, fires are evolving. Yeah. California has yes. always been, you know, prone to fires, but just the heat and the warming is just making it worse and worse. The lack of lack of rain. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, the fires, the fires aren't like f- how fires were 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you know, now right. it's kind of like, like spewing lava. Like, how do you, how do you as a firefighter put out spewing lava that's shooting in that's, you know, n- obviously not liquid, but that is very fast, very dangerous, higher temperatures than most fires ever are and ever have been, you know, it creates a, it creates a, um, unfair dynamic, you know, a lot of the same tactics that firefighters were once using are not the same anymore. It, they don't work the same. They aren't as effective now. It requires like 10 times the amount of firefighters in order to put out, you know, a, very, very, very hot fire now. And it's complicated. It requires a whole lot of strategy on a whole Mm -hmm. other level, you know, with firefighters and fire safety. And, you know, you have to have a plan, like an exit plan, if shit goes down and you live in a mountain community and it's all scary. Now that you've said that, um, I read an article that, that, um, briefly mentioned that, where people are living is contributing to wildfires. So their choice to live near forests um, are more inclined to burn. So I think there was a, a kind of a, I guess an example shown that in Nevada, they do have a lot of large files, fires, pardon me, but they're burning in open spaces. So they're not burning through neighborhoods. Whereas California, there's a lot of <clears throat> urban wildland, if you will, that are more inclined to burn. Uh, which is an interesting take, I suppose. Yeah, it's kind of a, a case of humans expanding into nature, and uh, right. You know, and so, yeah, it, there's definitely a lot of that. We could definitely talk about this topic for hours. I mean, I know wildfires are something we all, all three of us are kind of experts on, or at least we're really well versed in. So, I know we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. Unfortunately, we don't have hours and hours and hours. What I would like to do is put a pin in this conversation and. You know, Mary, you're talking about, you know, you wish we had some sort of practical way to be proactive about this. But maybe that's where our next conversation about this is the next time this is in the news again. Could very well be our next episode. Is, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, could be tomorrow. Yeah. Maybe we, 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 the next time we talk about this uh, as a newsworthy topic, maybe the three of us bring together uh, a series of, uh, of things we could do. Yeah. You know, maybe you know, policy, maybe it's just practical things you and I could do at, at home every day, whatever it is, but maybe the next time we talk about this, we don't just talk about, oh, this is depressing, this sucks, what the fuck? Let's actually talk about how do we, how, well, what can we do? Because I, I think- Oh gosh, it's it's so, I mean, on an individual level, it's there's so many different things and <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that are very, very simple and yeah, very yeah. easy. Well, yeah. And that's kind of my, the point I want to make here though, as a larger point is that that's kind of what Erase is all about. It's like, Okay, fine. We talk about the news, but I, 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 the last thing we should we should put out there is that all this stuff is helpless. We, we, we don't want people to feel frustrated, like, oh my god, this mm-hmm. is doomsday. No, we, we need to address that. So I'm going to put it upon the three of us. 
you know, this is kind of what the whole point is of, of us doing this podcast is we are three everyday people talking about what's going on and then talking about what we could do to fix it. That this is not an academic scientific approach. This is not politicians doing policy that just is, you know, finger of the wind. This is three people who live in the light, live everyday life coming up with practical ways to address things as best as we can. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm going to challenge the three of us on, on, on stuff like wildfires, things that seem impossible for us to affect. Well, maybe we can. And, what, and you know, it could be something as simple as, like you said, Dana, maybe we don't encroach into forests where, you know, fires threaten people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it sounds ludicrous, but maybe it isn't. You know, maybe it is that we have to be very careful of where cities have to be careful where they expand. And so that's my soapbox for, for that. And so, yeah, yeah, I the only thing I would say to that is I think that one of the most beautiful things about a place like California or a place like Oregon is living in the forest. Um, and mm -hmm. a lot of people have been doing it for ever, forever. But at the but same time, I would do it. But at the same time, I would say that there are people who go camping and they camp in, you know, high fire areas and then have a have a campfire right, in right. that area. Right. They're not they're not checking the yeah. weather conditions and the drought or conditions. or they don't and... care or they just are, you know, they don't they don't they don't care and they don't know better, you know, yeah. and it's the like, OK, <clears throat> yeah, the outrage that I saw around 4th of July for, for the West coast about people, yeah, you know, right. not being able to set off their fireworks during a drought, like a drought, like that's very, very selfish. That just shows that you have zero, you know, yeah. you have zero yeah. knowledge. And you don't care to become less ignorant about something. You just care about setting off a firework as opposed <laughs> to not burning down the place where you live. Like know. if you're, if you're so concerned about setting off a firework, then go into a city I don't know, go into like a city in an alley and then go and do it there. I don't know what else to yeah. say. I mean, there are lots of cities in Southern California that are not rural or high fire <laughs> areas that, you know, while sure it's illegal to do so, I mean, you could still get away with it and do it. Yeah. So I I'll think as what this makes me, you know, to really think about, I guess, the psychology behind these types of topics. And it's that unless something is directly affecting you, it's very difficult to engage people and, and, you know, a thousand percent. Yeah. Thousand percent. I couldn't agree more. I think also uh, going back to an earlier discussion that we were talking about, part of the reason why people don't want to deal with the topic of climate change is because it's so scary and daunting. And often the way that it's reported on is like doomsday zombie apocalypse. We're all going to fucking die. It's the end of the fucking world. It's here. It's happening. And I think that's why providing some solutions is mm -hmm. important and, you know, making people feel like it's not like while it is humans, the, like humans, the collective's fault, I guess, you know, but it's not everyone who's alive's fault right now. It's all the people who've lived before us to leading up to now, um, mm -hmm. you know, so it's like we don't like while, yes, I'm sure some of us feel tremendous guilt for this current state of our earth you know, it's not totally our fault. And we have to understand that, that it's not our fault. It's also the culture in which we live, you know, and if we can change the mindset, that's how we can start implementing change and understand that it's not like, it's all of us that we all have to do something. It's not just one individual that's going to change it for everybody. <clears throat> I agree. I want to finish the episode with this tweet I'm reading right now. Uh, it's from Harry Kondabalu, who's a, 
a comedian and quite the Twitter personality. And his tweet, which came out this morning, reads as such, during the sinking of the Titanic, the rich got lifeboats and the poor died. This appears to be the current American plan for climate change. End tweet. Oh my God. Oh my God. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's true. And it's, I mean, climate change and those who can adapt that should be something for everybody adaptation should be something for everyone not those who are just wealthy i read um one last thing here i read something today that would probably resonate i don't know if i'm exactly quoting it directly but it was something along the lines of even the most liberal among us um those who contend most strongly for action on the climate and climate change global warming have lived our entire lives uh, steeped in values that are increasingly at odds with a sustainable world, which is very accurate, which, which is very, very true. And that I felt that very much resonated with me because, you know, as much as what we're doing, how we grew up was, you know, still very much in this <clears throat> lacking of, I guess, understanding or lack yeah. of sustainability. Yeah, I mean, it's not even, a, it's again, it's not even our fault. It's not even the people who are alive right now's faults. It's so many of the people who came before us who never even gave a second thought to where their trash was going, where, where their, I don't know, their thrown away equipment was going, you know, how they were treating the ocean, how they were, all of it, all of it. Um, the inventor of the Keurig, Keurig pods. Um, I read an article a long time ago that he very much regrets it just because of the single serve plastic that's created. So he, right. yeah, he, he even himself, he's like, I don't have a machine and I don't use it. Um, but yeah, he, he regrets it very much. And it's I just mean, a matter of like, he didn't think about it. Right. He didn't. Yeah. It wasn't a thought in his mind. Totally. Totally. I mean, and that that's the type of perspective shift that we all need to have on a collective level is like what like what I'm doing right now. How is that going to impact the environment moving forward? And I think that like while it seems like a basic shift and it is a basic shift that could really change everything if we start looking at how we're inventing things and creating new products that will change everything moving forward. If and we, I think we have if that we have power that. as consumers, right? Yeah. <clears throat> we yes. can choose not to purchase, you know, if people refuse to, to adapt and to, you know, get on board with this cultural shift and this, <clears throat> this new era, then we will not support them and they won't, you know, have a, have a business. You know, I have a lot of faith in Gen Z in regards to this, in regards to a shifting mentality in general. And while, I don't know, a lot of people talk shit on Gen Z in regards to, you know, how, how, you know, tech focused they are. I do think that they are more environmentally focused and like more, it's not even environmentally focused as much as it is like environmentally empathetic. And mm-hmm. I think that we're going to see. A, a, like greater shifts there in that generation yep. than we're seeing they have right more now. More awareness, with, I feel like they have more yes. awareness and they're mm-hmm. they're think thinking more about the future. You're both right. Totally. And uh, again, we could talk on and on and on about all this stuff. This is great stuff, but it is getting pretty late. So let's wrap this up for today. Uh, all right, Pimo. 
I know. <laughs> wrap it up, wrap it up like we're at the Oscars. <laughs> Let's call it a night. It's been a great class. <laughs> I really do appreciate the input both of you brought in today. So thank you so much for everything. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. I know we promised the last episode to talk about Ecocide this episode, but that'll come up in the later episode. So we'll, we'll table that for a bit, but we promise we will talk about that soon. Hopefully we're not talking about wildfires next uh, episode, but who knows? Happens every week now, right? So uh, we'll, 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 we'll definitely advertise what uh, topics are next. Uh, so obviously pay attention to our social media channels and we are on Twitter, we are on Instagram, we're on Facebook. You can also find our podcast anywhere you can download your episodes. That would be on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you download your podcast. So be sure to download, subscribe, and rate. The more we get rated, the, the more we move up the charts. And thank you, everybody who listens, for your support. It's been great uh, doing these episodes. Mary and Dana, I, I love hosting with both of you. So thank you so much for all that you both bring to the table. And with that, we'll uh, we'll call it a day. Anything else you guys want to, uh, any parting lines you both want to have before we, we call it an episode? Yeah, I, I would like to open up to the audience and to our listeners. If there's something happening in your area or there's, you know, things that you want us to look into or to cover, hit us up on social media. We are active and attentive and want to hear from you. 100% agree. Thank you that, Mary. And uh, Dana, do you want to add something? Stop using single-use plastics. Hundred percent agree with that as well. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. <laughs> the choir here. So uh, again, thank you both for for those statements and for those uh, positions. And I, I am on board hundred percent with all of everything, uh, with both those things. Let's let's get people asking us and munching us about stories and, and stop single-use plastics. With that, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, everybody.